Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this is the podcast that wants you to step outside. Literally, like go out into the North Carolina mountains and do the world's hardest 50K, the quest for the crest, or figuratively, and step outside your comfort zone. And that brings us to today's episode. It's all about setting lofty, man, lofty is not even a good enough word, setting seemingly impossible goals and having the mindset and the physicality to accomplish them. And I am beyond excited to bring you today's conversation with one of the most memorable and inspirational people I have ever met. Cameron Dorn's mindset is unbreakable. His athletic feats are beyond impressive, and quite frankly, he's just a really good person. (laughs) He's also the only person I've ever met who has set a world record. And he did that in one of the absolute hardest exercises in the world. I'm talking about the dreaded burpee. If you don't know what a burpee is, let me briefly explain. Um, Essentially, you start off from a standing position, you drop down to a plank, and you jump right back up. (laughs) It's Describing it that way sounds really easy, but uh, go ahead. Right now, do 10 of them. Pause this podcast and do 10 burpees in a row. All right, you back? <laughs> I bet that was so much harder than you imagined. In fact, I think burpees are most definitely my least favorite exercise of all time. I remember me and my friend were trying to do um, 50 burpees a day, or it, maybe it was 100 burpees a day. And within four days, I stopped it. <laughs> like, what am I doing to myself, man? Why am I doing burpees? And, uh, I think part of the reason I hate burpees so much is because to me and mostly anybody who's ever played football, burpees will always be the artist formerly known as the up-down, which is every high school football coach's favorite form of punishment. So if you if you mess up a play or you don't play to the whistle, um, your coach will run up, blow the whistle at you, and they'll say the two most dreaded words that if you say to me right now will still strike fear in my heart and that's chop your feet because you start chopping your feet and then they blow the whistle you drop down you pop back up drop down pop back up um and of course you know if i really messed up the play and i felt bad about myself i would doubly punish myself and on the drop down i would just like jam my face mask into the ground uh and then i pop up i'd be just, you know, it was actually a good way to get some anger out now that I think of it. Um, but burpees, so it went from up-downs and then eventually after high school football, I realized that you could call these burpees and essentially you just add like a little jump at the end. Um, and they're also a form of punishment in Spartan races. Um, I think they're kind of famous in CrossFit as one of the least favorite exercises of many CrossFit, CrossFit athletes. So... If burpees are so freaking hard, 
why did today's guest do over 10,000 of them in 24 hours? And more importantly, how, how, how did he accomplish this? So a giant thanks and a huge welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 12, the most energetic person I've ever met, Cameron Dorn. All right, man, I want to hear all about the burpees. Right. So the burpees were the medium. Um, it was a fundraiser to raise funds for Wareshaw's High School and also some kids in Peru because we're going mountaineering, climbing there. Uh, I travel a good bit, and I'm all about leaving a lasting impact rather than just traveling for tourism. So I came up. I was like, what can I do as an awesome fundraiser? Well, not sell candy bars, not do a car wash, <laughs> let's hit a, a set of Guinness World Records. So looked up Guinness World Records, came across burpees, and I was like, oh, that's actually doable. The world record was 7,684, calculated the math per minute, and it was like five or something per minute. And I was like, I could actually break that record for 24 hours. Probably had some coffee at that time. I was really feeling good about life because that was not an easy task to break. But <laughs> I immediately <laughs> submitted an application to break this world record, and the and we went down that road to break the burpee world record for most burpees in 24 hours. So no beer involved, just coffee. Not nothing at all. Just coffee. <laughs> was there? <laughs> I was actually it was a late night at work. You know, and I was like, oh yeah, burpee world record, great. So are you the type of person that once you say you're going to do something, nothing's going to stop you from doing it? That's cor- that is absolutely correct. <laughs> Those are the best kind of people. <laughs> yeah, what other way is there, you know? Yeah. Did you tell anybody that night or just to yourself? Yeah, I went home, actually. I was in South Carolina at the time, and I went to my parents' house that night. And I was like, oh, I finally got an idea for this fundraiser because the high school, the kids just got a cross-country team, right? Okay. And they, like, I went up there and helped coach with the kids here and there, and the, the kids did not have the proper shoes. Like, they were running in, like, non-running shoes. And we know, that's how we meant, you and I running, yeah. like, how important footwear is, especially at a young age. So it was all a fundraiser to get them the proper shoes. Okay. Which was, yeah. What, what's your hometown like? I, I know you're from South Carolina, but is it big town or rural or what? Oh, man. Waterloo, South Carolina, population 164, man. And then I went to a high school like uh, nine miles away called Ware Shoals. Okay. Um, and it's one of the smaller high schools in the entire state. Wow. And also does not have the tax base that these large schools have. So there's really not that many companies in the area that pays into it. So they couldn't say we're paying for shoes for kids for a cross-country team. That's what awesome. I'm saying. Awesome. Um, why, what, uh, can you explain a little bit about the, the other school you were, you were looking to help? Yeah, the other school in Peru. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a school. Uh, a friend of mine had been down there climbing before. We were actually going in like uh, six, this was like six or seven months down the road. It was in Juarez, Peru, called Seeds of Hope. And then that school down there, they didn't have the necessary funding to even provide, like, school supplies and oh, stuff geez. to the kids. And it, and it goes back to, the like, the mindset is I always say small town does not mean small opportunity. So to show the kids in Ware Shoals, even though they were from a small town, 
that they had so much opportunity and to not take that for granted versus some, like the kids in Peru at the time didn't even have the necessary school supplies to learn and grow. So it was really beneficial to both parties. Awesome. So, wow. So did the schools know? Like, did they come out and support you when you started the, the Burbies? Yeah, well, Ware Shoals did. Like I spoke at Ware Shoals before. Um, I graduated with Shoals in 2006, and I was like captain of the football team, student body president, and man, I love Ware Shoals. <laughs> so like I've always had a really close link with them. Yeah. Yeah, the school in Peru, not so much. No. They're like 5,000 miles away. Obviously, yeah. They knew it was coming, but they weren't able to like be there. They didn't write you, and they're like, hey, can you reenact this down here now? Yeah, by that time, man, I was retired. You know, that burpee is not, not something I really go for that much anymore. Yeah. Do you do any now? Yeah, I mean, here and there, when yeah. it comes up, like, what is a burpee? And then I, like, if I don't get an instant, like, midday nightmare, then I'll show them. I mean, burpees are easily the worst exercise, in, like, the most painful. They're probably the most beneficial, but they're one of the most painful exercises you possibly could do. Yeah. Like, it is the hardest full body exercise bar none. It's, it's, it's scientifically been proven in, in so many ways. <laughs> like, and football coaches use it as punishment. Um, I think it's like Spartan race or something. If you mess something yeah. up, you have to do 30 burpees or whatever. 30 burpees. And they advertise it being like the worst ever. And I'm like, come on, guys. Come on. It's not that bad. Dude. Okay. So I did 100 burpees today because I'm like, I got to do at least a couple, right? <laughs> I'm glad you were motivated to do That makes me feel great. For nothing else alone, like, I'm glad you did 100 burpees. Yeah, Thank man. They, yeah, dude. I might do a couple more when we're done talking. But, well, I guess as someone who is staying home with two kids right now, burpees are a really easy exercise you can do when you ha- only have like five minutes, you know? Exactly. So, and you said you did them in hotel rooms, so it's kind of the same thing here. You don't need much space. You don't, you don't need any equipment. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I recommend everyone and you burpees. hundred percent. And it works both, it works both your muscles and your um, aerobic conditioning system. So it's cardio and essentially strength training at the same time. Yeah. It's great. What, um, how did you train for this? Uh, I, I believe it's one of those things is I had a lot of base fitness coming into this from triathlon and growing up playing football, basketball, and lifting weights. You don't train to uh, break the Guinness World Record in burpees if you don't have a sound base. Like, I would not recommend that to anyone. Like, oh, <laughs> you want to break the world record. No, don't do that if you really don't understand your body understand the energy systems, how to fuel it long-term, and it goes core. There's so much that goes into it, but that's only a culmination of your own experiences prior to. I love that, too, because I think of this every time I do any sort of endurance race. In the middle of it, at some point, I'll think of everything I've done up until that point, and it's all built up. It's all built up to where you are right now going through whatever you're going through, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's kind of like a lifelong attitude of training, I guess. Um, 
It, exactly. It's you're getting new experiences under your belt, and over time, that prepares you for yet just again new experiences, harder experiences, and that's how you grow. Yeah. So you you said you're going to do it, and then how how long until you went for it? Three months. Yeah. Yeah, not much time. <laughs> and then during that time, you were raising money and. Right, I had a GoFundMe page. Are you familiar with those? Oh yeah, where yeah. people log on and don't. Yeah. Okay. And it was the whole goal became somewhere along the line. I decided yet again, even though the world record at the time was seven thousand six hundred eighty-four. It's like I'm going to do ten thousand of these. So it was ten thousand burpees for ten thousand dollars. Okay, you're like that makes more sense and sounds cooler. <laughs> yeah, but. That is a bold move to make that call, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, so going into it, what challenges did you expect? Challenges as far as physically during, during the actual event itself? Yeah, like what did you, ex- like what was your expectations going in? I mean, obviously your mindset is you're definitely going to beat it and you're definitely getting 10,000, but... Yeah. What were what challenges were you really preparing for? Well, the challenge to to break a Guinness World Record involved a ton of planning. So luckily, we used the Fujifilm Fit. Some of the instructors that I've been working with, Fujifilm the company, they volunteered to certify it. So you had to have two um, qualified instructors at all times there counting the burpees. Okay. <laughs> So organization, or the organizational part of it, was very intensive, I would say. Um, Nutrition, looking at that and saying, how am I going to fuel this? You know, I had a friend as far as, like, what is the actual toll this is going to take on my body? I have a friend, she's a personal trainer. She called me a couple days before the event. She's like, Cameron, I just want you to know our entire personal training studio is just going to watch, and we're going to use you as a lab experiment because they're thinking you're going to get rhabdo and everything. I was like, great. That's fantastic (laughs) to know from a professional standpoint, you know? (laughs) Um, The Spartan Race founder tried to break the burpee world record before, and he had a YouTube video, and I could see, like, he was totally glycogen depleted, and he said some things about how it was impossible to intake the food because your body is in that position, in the plank position, and it can't digest it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I was like, all right, that's, that just gave me more fuel to really break the world record because I was like, oh, I understand this, and how do you break this world record? It's simply by managing your heart rate. Right, so your body can absorb it yeah. rather than going all out at a time, like those interval-based. Yeah, yeah. You want to do a more steady state and plan. That way you can plan when you fuel throughout the, the, the attempt. Can you describe <laughs> your, your fueling plan? Yeah, the fueling plan was all based. Um, you get my, your weight in kilograms, essentially, and then what I did was multiply that by four. Okay. And that's how many calories I tried to bring in per hour. And that was necessary to function, I thought. Yeah. But on the caveat, I was like, the more calories, the better to fuel down the line. So some, some hours I was able to get in 500, 600 calories. And I was like, that's great because I was keeping it down. 
and not not feeling any GI issues or feeling like I was going to throw them back up. So I knew I was really down a good path when I was six hours in, eight hours in, and digesting over 400 calories per hour. Okay, what were you eating? And Chris, I can't lie to you. It started out pretty healthy, and then Coca-Cola started coming in for some glycogen. Um, <laughs> that is the truth. Um, Subway donated a six-foot-long sub. Uh, it was hilarious. There's a cheeseburger joint up the road in Greenwood where the attempt took place, and they heard about it taken. So they came down with cheeseburgers because they're like, this guy is hungry. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I don't know I could do that. Did you? But. What's that? Did you I go did for not the... have a cheeseburger. <laughs> no. Man, that's uh, what, like, I think people who haven't done an ultra-endurance event before, you assume one thing, where you assume everyone's just super healthy the whole time, maybe drinking some water here and there. Um, yeah. But then you get there, and, you know, you're eating quesadillas, Regular Coca-Cola. Oh, totally. Yeah, like you're just consuming any, well, at least for me, I just consume anything and everything I possibly can. Right, But right. cheeseburgers. Science, che- I, definitely a science too, but there's that point where you're like, look, I need calories. Yeah. So what do I want to eat? Yeah, yeah. Cheeseburgers, <laughs> though, might be pushing it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had some, like, uh, there was a, a local pizza place, craft pizza place that brought in like these sandwiches. And I was like, oh my God, these are awesome. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, I was literally picking and choosing. I had a cooler next to me with all kinds of drinks in it yeah, and just copious amounts of food. I, it's just, I had everything. It was a dream come true, really. It People really is. cheering you on to do exercises and I'm just um, eating what I want. <laughs> it, it was awesome. Yeah. That's part of doing the events too is at the end, you're just like, I can eat whatever the hell I want right now, and I'm just going to fully enjoy this. And pizza and beer just taste the absolute best. <laughs> and then you gain everything back. You then know? you get, oh, instantly, instantly, and more over the next week, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so as you were going, I mean, I know you probably faced dark times, but was there any just giant challenges that came up unexpectedly? Oh, man, I tell you, I lost the, the, the thing about so much pressure is on your wrist there, right? Time and time again being in that plank posture. So what I actually did was perform the, the burpees on my knuckles. Okay. And then over time, think about skin on the mat. There's no skin left on my knuckles. So I lost all that skin. And that's at like hour eight maybe like 3,000 burpees in, you just got bare knuckles. So doing about 7,000 burpees with just bare knuckles, even though I have gloves on, I mean, that was every one of them you felt it, right? Wow. <laughs> what about... And then I lost a couple toenails. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. Because I went barefoot, yeah. And then they just... I mean, it was almost like you get into that mindset where you're like, okay, I know this is coming, and it comes, and then... I remember I was like, I did one time, the first time I was the toenail, I did still like 200 more dirty later. I was like, ah, I need to change my stock. <laughs> you know, it's like, whatever. Did anyone see it? <laughs> like, because I know you had a crowd of people there watching. Were you like, yeah, yeah. Did you I, hold, up the toenail, <laughs> hold up the toenail? Hold up the toenail. No, like, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I didn't really. I was, I was so surgical almost, I'd say, on that day. Like, as far as frill and. It was great interacting with people, but I was there for a purpose yeah. to get those burpees done, yeah, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I remember when we first met. Well, okay, so real quick story. I remember it was we were doing a 50K, and it was the Quest for the Crest, so it was supposedly the hardest 50K in the United States, and you gained like 12,000 feet or something ridiculous in 30 miles. <laughs> like, the, remember the first 5K took an hour to get up that hill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no trail. It was just ribbons tied yeah. to this, like, private land to go up the mountain. Yeah, I yeah, know, because I always, every time I go to Asheville, I want to go back up that trail, and I'm, I never know where it's at. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but anyway, so we're like, I just will always remember this. We're at mile twenty six, and I'm feeling like garbage. Like I smell bad. I've been having like digestive <laughs> issues all day. Like, you know, my legs are all cramped up. I'm limping, right? And then all of a sudden, I just <laughs> I hear someone behind me say, "Hey, Chris." We only have like six more miles to go. I'll see you at the finish line for a beer. And I looked back, and it looked like you had just woken up, showered, and was sprinting. And you just sprinted. <laughs> you just sprinted by me. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's probably the last time I see him during this race. <laughs> and uh, I turned to your buddies, who were uh, racing with us, and I was like, what is his deal? And they were like, oh yeah, he. Uh, they were telling me about the burpees, obviously, and they're like, yeah, he's just the craziest athlete we've ever been around. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, and that's how we met. You know, we talked plenty yeah. before then, but that, that's, yeah. that's a true story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw some – so, anyways, I brought that story up to my eighth graders when we were talking about energy. Because so I'm like, dude, that, yeah. was, that was the most – like, the greatest representation of energy I've ever seen in my life. So I'm like, well, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, so I looked up something online and you mentioned at one point you were so dehydrated your eyeball, like. Oh, yeah, this. during the burpee. Yeah, during the burpee. Challenge. Yeah, so this even for me, so I'm fascinated with anatomy and the, and the body, right? But I never. the. Here's the way it was described to me from a medical doctor at the time. I can put it this way. <laughs> so I'm on like the birthing challenge was supposed to last 24 hours. Started at 4 p.m. on a Friday and went to 4 p.m. on a Saturday. So it's by now like 18 hours in, 19 hours in, somewhere in there. And my body was so in tune. Like it could just do burpees. Like if I did any other movement, like lifting my legs up or anything like that in the standing position. It was so weird. It was like, you, like I feel like it's just going to shut down. Yeah. But it was like, just do more burpees. Don't spend time doing anything else. <laughs> so I got this awesome, he's a great friend of mine. His name's Roy Lemons. He's a football coach in the next school, like district over. So he just starts getting in front of me and shouting, Cameron, 20, 10. And he's just like putting me on, like total drill sergeant screaming at me. And just, we're knocking burpees out on the minute, right? Yeah. And he's, he's telling me how many to do each minute or whatever. And it gets to that point, and I did burpees this one time, and like, oh, my body, I'm cold by this time. I'm so cold, you know? And that's a sign of dehydration, right? And everything's going on. And then I stand up, and then I like, you know, and I'm like, my left eye had just shot in. Like, it was like, just... I couldn't even, I'm like, what is going on? My eyes are not closed, but it, it looks down, and I'm looking right right down on my, like, feet. 
my bare feet. It's so weird. Like something as I'm standing up, I can just see my feet in my left eye. I'm like, that's not normal. But your right eye, the right eye, yeah. Yeah, the the right eye is looking straight forward. My left eye is just like stuck down in my feet. I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, it takes you a second to process all this. And I'm like, my eye, and I'm like consciously blinking and trying to like work my eye again. I'm like, my eye is stuck in place <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So something about this is what I was told by the guy, and I was like, Roy, that was his name. I was like is there something wrong with my eye? He's like, dude, what's wrong with your eye? And I was like, I asked you if something's wrong with my eye. And he's like, dude, what's wrong with your eye? And I'm like, that's, that's kind of literally the lingo we had back and forth. And then I was like, I got I to see about this. Like, I didn't want my eyeball being stuck like that for the rest of my life. But I was like, what can you really do? And then there was a medical doctor there, David Bridges, and he explained something about my sodium being low and it could have caused it to be in like be in this place. I'm like, that is really weird. So I, going back to the days of pickle juice and everything, I just chugged a bunch of pickle juice and took some electrolyte pills, which I've been taking the whole time, and then kind of massaged my eye. And then actually they put some drops in it. And then my eye, I guess, was fixed. <laughs> I don't know if that's the technical term you want to call it. If it moved again under my control. <laughs> Man, did you did it hurt the next day at all? No, no. Really? Thank goodness. You know, I'm still like slightly worried that my eye will go back in that position sometimes. I mean, I don't know why I think about it. if I'm doing hard bouts to exercise. I'm like, I hope this does not cause my eye to go back in. <laughs> <laughs> You're like gun shy now almost. Yeah, no, no, I'm fine. It just comes into my head sometimes. Like, whoa, that's a bad thought. Don't do it. You yeah. know? <laughs> I remember once I was playing hockey. Um, and I got hit in the head somehow, and I my eyes just instantly like looked different ways, and it was yeah. the weirdest thing because you're seeing two different visions at once. It's almost like you have a superpower, you know? Right. But I remember yeah, just this going is a over superpower. I did not want. Yeah, I did not want, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> wow, man. Was it, so was that kind of like the lowest moment, or was there a, a moment that? was worse than that. I mean, that's weird. Maybe not worse, but... Yeah. I'd say, I mean, it was a true... I kept... I, I'm a, a firm believer. When you're when you're going through any struggle, whatever it may be, mentally, physically, you can never succumb to the challenge, right? You entered that for a reason, and I consciously... Like, if bad thoughts were coming to my head, same way in any race, you got to be like, all right, pl- replace them with a good thought. You. I just don't spend time on like the negative energy part of it. So okay. I'm sure they came in, but they're for, they're forgotten so, immediately. Yeah, gotcha. And and the other thing you told me was that you had Rocky on like constant rotation. Yeah, yeah. VHS tapes right in front of me. I'm an old school guy. I love records, VHS. So yeah, it was like Terminator Two in front of me. I got to watch Rocky movies. Oh. That that's what was on. So I was watching TV when I was knocking out burpees. It's yeah. fantastic. Top yeah, Gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the playlist? Just those three movies, or? Oh, there was so much more. There was um, Cliffhanger was on there. You gotta <laughs> love that from Colorado with Sylvester Stallone. Oh yeah. And just just a range of uh, old VHS. I had the Sandlot. Man, it was all just good stuff. That's great. <laughs> That was great, man. That's like the external motivation. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, did I mean you? You mentioned like kind of interacting with the crowd, but did their like energy help you at all, or did it? Was well, it a distraction? One hundred percent. Yeah. No, no. I tell you, it was cool because like you were right there, and that and the place I broke the record was called the Sweat Box. Um, it was like a personal training gym studio, so I trained in there specifically for it. And it was it was close to my apartment. It was only like two or three miles away. So I would go there and lead up to it, and I would actually do burpees sometimes at night on like 1, 1 to 4 a.m. Okay. Just to train my body to be active during that time. So I was wow. completely within an environment that I knew. Yeah, man. When did, uh, when did you end? What time of day? 4 p.m. Okay. Okay. So you went, you started off by going through the night. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you just wanted to get that out of the way right away or, or what? Yeah. I wanted to get that out of the way. And then at the same time to capitalize on, I, I, I consciously, I just work out better in the evenings. So that way I could start in the evening time okay. and then finish uh, in the after it was afternoon, but that's around the time I always perform my best workouts around four o'clock so that's why i went for that gotcha man um so when you finished what did you do to celebrate well you know everyone got on the theme let's celebrate a guinness with a guinness yeah really don't you know so we we went down that road which i want to tell anyone that's listening to this and going for a burpee world record challenge for 24 hours don't do it (laughs) do not celebrate a guinness with a guinness go to bed because i felt terrible absolutely horrible yeah the next 48 hours after i stayed up from 4 p.m that night until like 2 a.m so it was almost like 48 hours so and then i was oh it's horrible i'm assuming there was more than one guinness I mean, you know, there's a lot of, lot of <laughs> it was definitely not just one, let's just say that, you know? <laughs> oh, man, okay. Um, and then how how long did you take time off after that, or did you just go into exercising again, or were you sore for a few weeks? I was definitely sore, because what, what I was most, I, I made the joke that when I woke up the next day, I felt like I was 90. And then the next day I was 80, so I got like 10 years of my life back each day. There you go. Felt like from soreness-wise. But, I I mean, it was two or three days later. I was doing a ton of hydration. There's nothing, if if, you know this, if we're not moving, our bodies are not really repairing themselves. Yeah. So I went for a light jog and just got on the exercise bike and stuff. Okay. Cool, man. So there's no way this was your first, like, extreme event. Right? I mean, did you did you do stuff like this when you were little? I mean, I got a video my dad showed me when I went home for Christmas the other year of me being on a treadmill like a year and a half old. And he's like, let go of the rails. I let go of the rails, you know, and I just walk on a treadmill. So. But I'd never done any endurance events before then. Like, me, I, I never any, like, ultra events. Like, standard triathlons, Ironman, one Ironman. Okay. But nothing nothing to, like, burpees sound a little absurd. They still are. They are still <laughs> absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime in my workout I decide I'm going to do burpees, there's always a little voice in the back of my head that's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> Yeah. So, 
Um, when you okay, so you came out of high school doing football and basketball and stuff, and then yep. what did you go into after that to stay active and stay healthy? I started. That was probably the, the largest or the biggest struggle I'd say athletically in my life because I didn't have a purpose after. That's when I switched to just kind of lifting weights. And I really did not, I was like, this is great, but what's my purpose? Yeah. And it wasn't to compete or anything. And then I picked up, I bought a bike to save money on driving, gas money. Yeah. And I started just loving riding the bike, and I got in a triathlon from that, learned how to swim, and been doing it ever since. Okay, so I want to ask you a couple of specific swimming questions because yep. I've tried recently, and it's very difficult if you don't know what you're doing. Um, yep. Did you get a coach or get someone to instruct you on like proper form? Because it's all about the proper form, right? And then you just get momentum yep. from there. Yep. There was a, a doctor in town that made it really close to the Olympic trials before. Okay. And made friends from him because we went to the same gym, and he really helped me in my swimming. And as well as I bought a book. Uh, it's called what's the name? Terry Laughlin, I think it is, is the name of the book. Oh, I'm trying to think. That's terrible that I don't know the name of it right now. It's eluding me. But okay. I did a, a, a good a bit of reading on it plus actual practical working with someone. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's what I felt like I probably needed because um, I would just go to the Y, jump in the pool, and, like, muscle out a mile of swimming. Oh, uh, yeah, it will humble you. It was. It humbled me for sure, dude. So yeah, I joined. Yeah. I joined the master uh, master swim class one night, and I was easily the worst person there by far because master swim, you know. Um, yeah. And I got out of the pool, and I'm talking to the dude that was running the class, and all of a sudden my like right eyelid just felt like I couldn't close it all the way. Like it started swelling up, and then I get into the locker room and I look in the mirror and like. The whole right side of my face is puffy. Like, my lips are puffy. I can't even talk. And on the drive home, I'm trying to talk to my friend. And, what? Yeah, and he was like, why don't you call your wife because she's a doctor? And I'm like, well, I thought it would be funnier if I called you. <laughs> and I don't know. I just I had some weird allergic reaction because I got home. My whole entire body was red. It was Dude, that's bizarre. crazy. It's never happened since. It was just that one night. So... Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were able to recover from that experience. Anything yeah. happening to our faces, we don't need that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to hear about your company a little bit. All right. So company case of courage. Um, what we do is provide custom wellness solutions for large companies. Um, talking about training trainers from within to teach group exercise classes such as yoga, uh, body fit, and become actual personal trainers where they can develop workout routines for their fellow employees as well as industrial athleticism where we look at the highest risk uh, for manufacturing employees in terms of what their job requires and write specific programming for them to improve and do their job better and also alleviate the risk of musculoskeletal disorders. Okay. Um, how did you start this? I remember you told me like a really inspirational, interesting story about going out on your own in business. Right. 
Right. It's a, one of those things is, is like the book, The Alchemist. It's like when the you know a teacher appears essentially when there's a real need, right? And it's like our what I would say about this is it was just the culmination of an opportunity in my skill set. Um, a lady from Greenwood, South Carolina, who actually worked at a Fujifilm, they had been trying to develop a wellness program for years, and nothing was sticking. And uh, she remembered me from actually racing triathlon, and I just got back from traveling around the world, and I, and I stepped away from my full-time sales job previously, like working 60 hours a week, traveling all over the place within South Carolina, or not South Carolina, within the U.S., and I was just killing myself, trying to stay in shape for triathlon, taking a plane home from the East Coast on Fridays um, from, like, Orlando. <laughs> Your body was toast, you know? And so I stepped away from that position and just traveled. And then this need appeared for a wellness program at Fujifilm in Greenwood. And I was contacted. And Lisa and Emily and I, we wrote up a scope of work, um, the National Fujifilm's National Holdings approved it, and then we got to work on a very smaller scale, nothing like we're doing now, and we just produced awesome results with people loving the program and being motivated by it, and that's how we've been able to grow to what we're doing today, working in like six different states and um, seven different locations within Fujifilm. What's your motivation philosophy? Motivation philosophy first is... I work and we train trainers, right? And yeah. those trainers then inspire other employees from the site. I care about those trainers so much. I want to just not withhold any amount of information from them. So when I'm training them to open their eyes to as to what exercise can not only do for them, but what it can do for their participants, their fellow employees, and let people see how awesome and motivating it is to achieve these physical goals because what it allows you to do for the mental side of things and the, and the way it changes your attitude and empowers you, empowers you just to become a better person. And, and that's so rewarding on, on a macro scale to reward people with that knowledge and then see them go and have someone lose 30 pounds in a class over time or achieve a goal that they really want because a program exists essentially from something you started and that that's not to be taken lightly yeah yeah um and i'm sure that just affects so many people and kind of changes their lives so that's that's i don't know it's just it's such a great thing when you hear about someone who just goes out kind of quits like a comfy job that you i mean could yeah. you could you have seen yourself working as in your sales position for the rest of your life or was that a hard thing to do is quitting it yeah i tell you i mean you, you go i went out of, i went to grad school right what's the whole purpose of going to college to eventually get that job and then yeah. you get this paycheck right and you're like wow this is great and then you look and you're like a lot of people look at say a numerical scale and they, they want to make six figures that's a big thing right and it's just this number and I'm like, what does that number really matter? And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, sure, I can make this number, and it's coming quite soon, but why? I didn't have the real why behind it. I, I just believed it more of a selfish venture for me at the time because I did not have a family. I did not have any kids that I needed support. 
I still love to watch VHS movies like we talked about before and just <laughs> run and ride my bike. Yeah. Why do I need to make this? <laughs> I don't. So let me do something that really matters right now to me and to somebody else. Yeah. There you go. How did your just traveling on your own, how did that affect that decision? Oh, uh, it's, you know, Chris, just being born in the USA, I believe in won the lottery. It's just that simple, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not to take anything for granted, but I, I, one of my goals in life is always to travel to more countries in years of my life. So that's what I constantly go back to. Um, but traveling just teaches you to be comfortable with who you are, you know. Yeah. When I'm in Burma, Myanmar, and there's nobody speaking English, and then I walk across the border, and they're telling me I'm visitor number four into their country that day. And they literally take your passport and give you a number four. And you got to return the card as you leave because you can't stay the night. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to be really comfortable in your own skin and <laughs> and in your actions, right? So I think traveling just teaches you to grow up and not not try to think about what am I trying to do to please other people, but what am I doing to make myself essentially really happy and fulfilled? Yeah. Yeah. So when you traveled, did you do any outdoor activities or, I mean, do you go? Yeah. Like when I I traveled in Thailand, I was, I was riding my horse (laughs) and I worked at an orphanage there because I love to travel and like volunteer. So I stayed in this orphanage. It was on the Thai-Burmese border for like 10 days. And, I mean, there's no heating. There's no – the running water was out of a hose pipe. It was yeah. in the bathroom right next to a hole in the ground. Literally, that's what happened. Yeah. It was the worst living conditions I'd ever been in because I volunteered to work at the orphanage. You stayed there. You had to stay in a mosquito net. And you've got these kids that are just so happy every day. And they don't even have shoes on half the time or doing anything, right? And they're just out. And you like, it truly opens your eyes of what happiness is and how little we need. But what, I mean, it's just so eye-opening. Yeah. What, uh, what, how did you get involved into these volunteering programs? Did you do it independently or was it through a program? Yeah, you can go online. I suggest everybody. It's like called Help It. It's what? called Help Exchange. Help Exchange. Yeah, and the website I believe is www.helpx.com, and okay. it allows you to see where are these places in need that need volunteers, and then you can also help there. And sometimes they provide, like in Thailand, it was free lodging, so it's a way to save money and travel, but yet travel with a purpose at the same time. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, dude. Because I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to travel um, and volunteer at places. But, you know, yeah. if you're not involved in certain programs, then it's kind of difficult to to plan that out. Yeah. So is there a lot of, is there a lot with schools? There's a lot all over. I mean, schools, okay. you can do work at farms, organic farming. Uh, okay. There's so much to choose from. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I kind of wanted to segue really quick and then uh, into your race. Oh, man. It was right after Quest for the Crest when I met you. Um, I right. can't remember what it was called, but it was something crazy. <laughs> oh, the Dracula 100K Transylvania yeah. Trail. Yeah. Can you, can you yeah, tell so me a little bit about that? That was my first ultra. 
<laughs> quest for the crest where we met, which was supposed to be the hardest 50K in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I was like, well, I need to do an ultra before I race this ultra that has never been finished before. <laughs> so quest for the crest is 100K. Um, it's not on any – there's no really trails there for the most part. Kind of like just running up through uh, – running up a mountain. The Dracula one? Some, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it has like 5, 5.6 actually rated rock, 5.6, 5.7 actual Seriously? rock climbing in the race. <laughs> yeah. How how big of a pitch was that? It was enough like if you mess this up, you're going to go for a hard fall. <laughs> so like I'd say half a pitch. Okay. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's not even, yeah, exactly. It's just, like, this was not a running race. It should have been billed as, like, adventure, like, what am I doing with my life race during yeah. this, you know? <laughs> and the answer is, like, what you're doing with your life is something freaking spectacular, people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, was it a loop course or was it an out and back? It was, it almost looked like an, and it came to a certain point twice, I believe, but it had just, it was like an X if you look at it, right? Okay. Just loops on each side. Gotcha. Yeah. And then they gave you a map and it was really easy to get off course that happened. But the thing about it was it had 24, 26,000 feet of gain. <laughs> Gain, not change. Yeah. Gain, which Gain. is ridiculous. <laughs> and no one had ever finished it before. Yeah. That's why I wanted to do it. Of course, naturally, dude. You yeah. have okay. So what? What? What would you call that mindset? Like, I have a term. I call it meathead mindset or meathead mentality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think. I think it would for me is the challenge because like once you finish something or you do something, then you write the book how to do it, right? Okay. Yeah. Because like that's my whole thing is like ever since the birthday world record, I'll get a, a message like at least once a month from someone from across the world that's like, can you help me train for this or can you help really? me do this? You know? Wow. And mostly it revolves around burpee or some challenge, but I only do it because like. I believe if I was born 300 years ago, I would have been an explorer, right? Going into the unknown is how you achieve that growth. And that's for me, rather than just like saying, oh, I want to do this for like bragging rights or something. I just want to test my body and more importantly, my mind to see if I can pull this off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are hey, my, my yeah. favorite <laughs> stories of all time are the like historical stories are the early 1900s explorers you know um yeah. to the north pole for the first time south pole everest those yeah those look at those Dude. guys as Mewson. oh they're 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 heroes they're crazy man. yeah that's crazy so okay so during this race what i mean what kind of obstacles did you face besides just the freakish nature of it we saw some bears. That was interesting. Oh, yeah. Sheep dogs are vicious. <laughs> A little bit of everything. I mean, you're literally leaving from Vlad the Impaler's castle in Transylvania and just running up these vicious mountains, the Carpathian Mountains. And um, it was it was 27 hours. The time limit was 30 hours. And 
I mean, I, it, there was like a hundred and something people that entered. I think the dropout, there was like 21 that finished. Wow. Because <laughs> the, the field, they only let so many people in. Um, yeah, I was thrilled, man. Did you do I was it? like the first American to finish. That's... I was like fifth overall. Nice, man. Yeah. For your second ultra ever. Yeah, there you go. And your first ultra, <laughs> didn't you sign up for that like the week before? The quest the week the before, one. and I did that with my friends. Yeah, the whole purpose was there to just was like to tick the box and run with my friends. And yeah. man, it was awesome getting to meet you. And we just talked and had a good time. Dude, it was a great time, man. I was like, you know, you're you're hanging out with someone for nine hours. You know, you're gonna go through a wide range of topics to talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's one of the reasons I love ultra running too. Is I mean, you're with a group of people doing something doing something like going through an experience together and the experience right. isn't easy so you know i don't know everyone's just it's kind of like everyone's in this so you might as well just get it done that yeah exactly yeah man um you told me something that day that i haven't forgotten since um it was like oh, right. when <laughs> a couple of things but when you're really tired and you're just destroyed and you're hitting that like bonking phase. Do you remember what you said? Yeah. I can't. Was it embrace the suck? Uh, c- sort of. It was more along the lines of Mortal Kombat. Tell me, tell me more. Okay. You're like, do you know that guy in Mortal Kombat with the hat? And I was like, Raiden or what? Raiden. Ray. I remember. Yes. The and energy. Yeah. You're like, he shoots lightning bolts out of his hands. So he's like, you. You said, when I get really tired, I just pretend like I'm shooting lightning bolts out of my hands and it gives me energy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's... They got me fired up. Dude, you know? yeah. I was like, that's a great piece of advice, you know? Let let the energy flow through, man. Yeah. The way it is. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what are you training for now? Well, just I actually just raced like Ironman North Carolina oh, yeah? uh, three weeks ago. Got back in the triathlon game. Yeah. It went really well. I was out of the triathlon scene for like since 2012. Okay. And I finished 15th overall as Ironman. These people do this stuff all the time and just train for it. But I, I just decided to do it again and I had a really good result. You know. <laughs> what? What? Uh, how? How many weeks or months did you train for that? It's going back to like specific. I really dialed in the training the last six weeks for it. Okay. But I never had a week where I travel. Uh, I trained over. I looked at my training log for this year. Yeah. Because now it's so it's digital, right? Strava, you can see what your largest time is. I've never trained over ten hours this week, uh-huh. um, or ten hours this year for an Ironman, which wow. is awesome. Yeah, man. That's that just goes to that foundation and that base you've built up over time. Yeah, yeah um, totally, man. Yeah, what are, do you recover with? Or I'm sorry, do you struggle with recovery at all, or injuries? I tell you, that injuries. I, I want to knock on wood, but I think it all goes back to not overdoing it. Right? You yeah. look at like what is life? It's a race, essentially, right? And it's a race you don't. You kind of want to take your time with. I'm not really racing to the finish. I just want to have fun during it. Yeah. So if if you look at a race within life and you like rush and you put everything into it, that takes a big toll. Like, yeah, you could have an awesome result, but what did that take out of you? 
And how sustainable is that? I want to race races long-term throughout my life, not just like train 20 hours a week for two years and then be done with racing, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's the perspective I see it. Definitely. How, uh, how often do you do just recovery day? Like absolutely, maybe not nothing, but nothing intense. Yeah, it, it, I pay attention to my body. I go heart rate a good bit, and I can tell. Um, like I, I got a five, I raced a 5K this weekend, uh, or last weekend, and then the next day I did like a lactate, uh, lact, lactic power threshold test on the bike, so really intense. And then I was like, oh, I feel like doing intervals the next day. And I was like, oh, I know that my body is going to like, Cameron, what are you doing? Yeah. So I woke up. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything today because I got to listen to my body or run the risk of injury or overtraining. Yeah, which is not good for anybody. No, no. And some athletes fall into the probably harmful mindset of I have to do a workout every single day and I can't miss it no matter what. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's you, you can't be in that mindset. Like you have to get yourself out of it. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, there's other things in life to do and experience. Yeah. You know. This is an awesome point for Dave and Busters, but if you've not if you've never been, go. You've spent <laughs> so much time there. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, speaking of that, man, I got probably gotta let you go. I um am getting a rare opportunity to go on a date with my wife tonight. Oh, dude, so, that's wonderful. Yeah, man. Go so, enjoy it, Chris. Well, yeah. thanks for spending the time, and, man, great talking and catching up with you. Dude, I want to talk to you again at some point for sure, but if you're ever in Denver, man, you always have a place to stay, um, and I, we should climb some mountains or something crazy. <laughs> Solid, man. I'm down. We'll go get a couple 14ers under our belt. Dude, for oh, yeah, man. One of my best friends climbed all of them in the continental United States this year. Or the summer. Dude, that's sick. That's he, sick. He was insane. And he, like, of course, pushed me into something that I was uncomfortable with. And Yeah. Yeah, man. So That's what you want, man. Comfort zone and then where the magic happens. It's yeah. far away from that comfort zone. Yeah, that's right, man. Well, thanks again, man. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you yeah, soon. Yeah, send me the podcast or whatever. And, yeah. Man, uh, it'd be cool. I'd share it with my friend. All right. Sounds good, dude. All right. Later. Yeah, Bye. see ya. That wraps up number 12 of the like a bigfoot podcast and man that was one of my favorite conversations i've had in quite some time cameron's awesome super grateful that he was willing to spend an hour chatting with me and now i'm unbelievably inspired to go out and just have the most killer workouts of all time and hopefully we'll we'll be able to get him back on the podcast in the future (laughs) and if you haven't already uh, feel free to go on iTunes and look up Like a Bigfoot podcast and s- click the little subscribe button or, you know, join our Facebook group like at Like a Bigfoot. Um, hopefully we can start up some discussions about adventures or even share just your goals or your the things you're striving to do in order to make yourself a better human. And if you're really enjoying these so far, feel free to share them with people. I'm I'm trying to grow this kind of from the ground up. And the first 10 episodes, I just wanted to be consistent and get a solid base and start getting comfortable um, having these interviews 
which is something I'm improving on every single week. The second 10, the next few episodes, I'm really, I'm really going to start trying to grow the audience. And I, it kind of stems from a conversation I had the other day with next week's guest, uh, ultra running badass who ran the Tahoe 200 with her husband the whole entire time. 200 miles. I was trying to do like a voice crack there. 200 miles in 90 hours with her significant other. Super impressive. But I was having a conversation with her after we recorded the podcast and we just got to talking about all the negative media you see and all the negative news. And if you want, you could be exposed to nothing but terrible news all day long. And so I think it's really important to share some of these positive stories from regular, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I stole that quote from coach Jim Volvano, but that's super important. And if you're exposing yourself to more positive stories, it can only influence your life in a positive way, which is a, a good thing. So keep supporting the podcast. I really, really super appreciate it. I will keep coming out every single week for an entire year and hopefully beyond. And if you have any recommendations for guests, I would love to hear them. You can go to the Facebook page um, or on our website, www.likeabigfoot.com. Until next week, this is your host, Chris Ward. And I hope you all are as inspired as I am to set a ridiculous goal and then work to accomplish it.